1: that it is a good morning whether i want it or not
2: please go away let me
3: speak for the love of God.
4: hey what's up everyone welcome to good movie monday the podcast presented by fakeshemp.net my name is glenn cochran your host and caddyshack fanatic here with a hoarse voice uh don't worry i've not got corona uh i have been tested and we're all clear That test is not fun, let me tell you. (laughs) But the sad news for you all this week, for all you Keith fans anyway, all three of you pretentious cine snobs, um, the man of taste himself had a bit of a mischief this week and isn't able to join us for this episode. So we do wish the old boy well, and uh, we look forward to having him back on the mic next week. Now, I thought long and hard about who we should get to replace him. I considered bringing in a filmmaker, maybe a comedian, maybe even a few of the old fake-shemp alumni, But instead, I've chosen a guy who Keith and I both love, uh, whose own love of film rivals most, and, well, why not? We call him the bearded bastard, Mr. Fergus Halbert. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. Uh, Thanks for being here, mate. Uh, This is going to be fun. Yeah. Now, Fergus has never been on the mic before, so we will go easy on him. Much appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, So much fun producing this show for you every week, and we're grateful to all of you who give the support and catch up with us on social media every week. And for all of you newcomers, and we know there are quite a few of you, then you can also engage with us on Facebook and YouTube, even pop up on Instagram from time to time. Uh, As well as this weekly show, we also produce exclusive videos, uh, which go up twice a week on our YouTube and Facebook pages. And if you like what we do, please share Good Movie Monday with your friends and help us build a bigger and better show. Coming up on today's show, we will be featuring the first part of my interview with director Kimball Rendell. He's the guy behind the cult slasher Cut, starring Molly Ringwald from 2000, and he also made the shark creature feature Bait 3D, and most recently, Guardians of the Tomb. And of course, our weekly players are back on board for their regular updates, plus we're going to enjoy a live chat with Jarrett once again. We had fun doing that last week, so we're going to do it all over again. And the bogan in me might even say it's a banger episode, bloody ripper. Fergus! Formalities out of the way. What's going on, sir?
0: Well, not really much, to be honest. I'm very excited,
4: though. What have you been watching lately?
0: At the moment, um, really, I've been noticing there's a lot of review bombing going around, so I've been really careful with what I pick. Review bombing. Please review ala- bombing. elaborate. People do not accept that their review is not right. Yep. And when that happens, people tend to just review something completely negative. Give mm. it a zero. Give it something so bad. And it's happening too much. And it means that I'm also getting swayed <laughs> against watching a film or against going into something. So, well, what this decided. means is
4: that you kind of gravitate in circles that we don't on this show. So, you're much more aligned with the user-based polls. Was. 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 Okay, Was. were. Like, yeah. Uh, we we had a discussion recently on the podcast, or it might have even been one of our videos about user polls. I think it was the IMDb Top 200, and they are absolute bullshit.
0: Oh, I agree. I so, agree. so what have you got for us there? Well, funnily enough, um, I was just browsing down at all the Blu-rays, and I came across a Paul Newman film. I love Paul Newman. Absolutely adore him. Uh, called Slapshot. And I looked at the back, I read the blurb, and it just sounded so good. And I was not disappointed. Mate,
4: Paul Newman, like one, it's Paul Newman. Mm. Doesn't really make bad films. No, he doesn't really. And two, it's Slapshot. It's an absolute masterpiece. Well, I've never been into, you know,
0: the sort of sports comedies yep. that come out that round that time, but this just blew my mind. It an absolutely R rated
4: sports comedy.
0: And it was R rated. Yeah. It deserved that rating, that's for sure. Now oh, the um oh, the, oh, the,
4: the, the bad shoddy sequel in me loves the fact that there are two sequels to Slapshot. I did not know that. Yes, I think Slapshot 2, Back on the Ice, I think it's called, and Stephen Baldwin is in that. But you know oh, the brothers from yeah. the first one? They're in the sequels as well. Is that true? Yeah, which came like 20 years later.
0: I didn't even realise there were sequels. I've got to check those out. <laughs> yeah. What else you got? Um, well, last night I was a little cheeky. <laughs> so I decided to go for an easygoing comedy and watch Beer Fest.
4: Beer Fest. Oh my goodness. The Broken Lizard classic. I am a
0: fan. <laughs> I started with Super Troopers. And yeah. And... Oh, I don't know what it is about that style of comedy. It just gets me. Frat boy comedy, stoner comedies, they're just excellent.
4: Yep. I'm a big fan of theirs. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Have you... You haven't seen the newest Super Troopers, have you? Yes, I have. Super Troopers 2? Mm Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on that? Loved it. Yeah. It
4: is basically a rehash of the first one, but I think the comedy in it, the jokes are so good like even if they're they're rehashed i like the fact they know they're rehashed they bring the characters back you know like even the guy they pull over on the the side of the road They bring him back (laughs) you know they they understand fully what's going on and 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 they play to it like it's just really funny what's your favorite broken lizard film
0: out of the ones i've seen because i'm sure there are a few that i haven't seen it has to be super troopers
4: yeah it really has to be yeah Look, most people would agree with you. I like to go for these ones that are sort of the more underrated type of, you know, mis- misunderstood. Mm. So I think when it comes to them, I like Slam and Salmon. Slam and Salmon. Slam and Salmon. That's very funny. That's got one of the final performances from um, Michael Duncan Clark.
5: Really?
4: Yes, we, it's hilarious. Yeah. Meat Drape's. That's all I have to say. Meat Drape's. <laughs> but where it's at for me is actually Club Dread. I haven't seen that yeah. either. Club yeah. Dread. It's the one that most people think is their bad film but I think a lot of people didn't understand the satire of it because it is a slasher film with the comedy elements. Yes. And, yeah, it just works so well. It sounds like a scary movie. It does a bit. Yeah. It kind of plays that way, but it's all on, like, a tropical island, you know. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coconuts everywhere, but that's a good one. The one I don't like of theirs was called Puddle Cruiser, which is the first one they ever made. That's pretty average, but, you know, we all, we all sort of have to start somewhere. Yeah, well, I think I'm going to have to take the time to go back and watch them all. So,
0: what else you got there? Um... Another one of the Blu-rays that I just looked at the back and decided to just go for was the Rover. The Rover, feeling it was more appropriate now than ever. This could be interesting. Okay. Um, and also, of course, you got to go for your Robert Pattinson feel before Batman. <laughs> so I thought I'd give it a shot, and I personally adored it. Really?
4: I really did. Hmm. No. No. Not see, a fan? not really. I know that I kind of enjoyed it the first time I watched it, but. Going back to it, I just, the tropes are so lame and the premise is so crap. And I don't know. I just, I find it a really bloated, like, we do the FR thing around here where, you know, we talk about with people that go full retard. You yeah, know, yeah. FR is the polite way to say it. And I think he goes FR in that
0: film. He does. I, yeah. Look, I will say <laughs> at the start, especially, I thought he was taking the piss. Yep. I honestly thought he was taking the piss. He did meld into his character a lot more towards the end, which almost is why I forgave it. I guess. Yep. You're right. You're right. <laughs> You've changed your mind on no, it. All. No, no, no. I adore the film. I still think it was perfectly paced. Yep. I think it was a great atmosphere. Yeah. It was really cool setup. It's almost like John Wick where he loves his car that much. Yeah, so, yeah. it's a neo-Western. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, I still thought his performance, he gave a lot. Yep. He gave a lot to it, but yes. I can pay that. I think te-
4: textually and, and, and atmospherically it's a very appealing film. But we must move on because otherwise we could talk about this all day. So a little bit more news, exciting news for Melbourne fans. Uh, once again, apologies for all of you who don't live in Melbourne, but... The majority of you do, so we're going to go through this. The Astor is back up and running. Now, the Astor is our Australia's oldest single-screen cinema. They do a lot of repertoire, screenings, a lot of double features, a lot of classics. So I'm going to go through their July calendar. We're not going to talk about the films. We're just going to name them, because as the weeks go on, we will then talk about them. So starting from July 2nd, We've got 2001 A Space Odyssey that's opening up the calendar. On the 3rd, we've got Dunkirk and Interstellar. On the 4th, we've got Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. On the 5th, we've got The Wizard of Oz at 3pm. And then we've got The Shining at 7pm. On the 6th, we've got Batman Begins and The Prestige. On the ninth, we've got Goodfellas. On the 10th, we've got Blade Runner and The Matrix. On the 11th, we've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. On the 12th, we've got Star Wars, The Force Awakens and Rise of the Skywalker. For some reason, they've cut that middle one out. Can't blame them. Then we got North by Northwest at 7pm. On the 13th, we've got Predator and Fight Club. On the 16th, we've got Joker and Birds of Prey. 17th, we got Inception. 18th, we've got Inception. 19th, we've got Titanic at 2pm. And then the Grand Budapest Hotel and All About Eve. On the 20th, we've got Akira. 23rd, we've got Do the Right Thing and Get Out. 24th, we've got Aliens, 70mm print. And on the 25th, we have Heat.
0: <sighs> double Inception feature for the 10th anniversary. Yes, it is. Excellent. Yes.
4: So there's a few screenings around town of that one, I believe, coming up. Roadshow are going to be doing uh, just because tennis is coming out TV as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we will, as I said, revisit each of those individual films as they come along. Uh, Roadshow have also announced their opening dates uh, of all their cinemas, uh, which are spread across the coming weeks. So we won't go into those. Needless to say, uh, wherever you are in the world, look up your local cinemas for opening dates. Hit up their websites, we're back in action and it's bloody exciting. And one more bit of news before we push on. The 93rd Academy Awards have officially been pushed from February 28th until April 25th. The parameters for eligibility have been expanded. Blah, blah, blah. You can hit up Google for all of that information. I'm out of breath. Let's throw to Scarefest.
3: Live from America's premier horror and paranormal convention, every Friday night, Scarefest Television
6: brings you guests from the horror and paranormal fields, plus featured movie reviews, entertainment features, and short films. Watch us live every week at ScarefestRadio.com or via Facebook and Twitter by following The
4: Scarefest.
6: Scarefest Radio, the radio you can see.
4: So if you dig what I do on this show or on fakechamp.net then you can catch me on Scarefest TV every week live on Saturdays at 11am Australian Eastern Standard Times, which is actually Friday night, 9pm American Eastern Standard Time uh, for those of you in the States. Uh, this week, I'm going to be looking at Greg McLean's awesome creature feature, Rogue. And uh, speaking of scary things, uh, there's been some more horror news doing the rounds over the past week. And I'm going to pull Jarrett back into the show have him yak about those things with me, like we did last week. Jarrett, how you going, mate?
6: Good, man. Yourself? How are you doing?
4: Oh, I've been better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds <laughs> like it. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, voice is barely holding up. i uh, been probed to the... Uh... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you hear about Jeepers Creepers? I did. Doing I that did. Shoot?
6: I did. Just completely shocked. I, d- I thought that would be the end of the franchise following the third film and given how long it took for the third film to get legs and then the controversy after the third film as well. So, but yeah, yeah, tell me a little bit more about this. Proposed Jeepers Creepers for
4: Well, I mean, I guess this it's I guess it's speculation mostly at this mm. point. Um, but it has been Jonathan Breck, the guy that plays the Creeper, that's been doing all the pushing here. Uh, but interestingly, you say controversy. Victor, Slav- uh, Victor Salva's name hasn't been mentioned in any of this mm. so far. So I guess it's pretty smart of them to be keeping him under the radar for the time being. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think the reason this is sort of gaining traction is because the IMDb listing recently changed. And a few extra details were added to it. Right, um, okay. Think okay. Jonathan Jonathan Breck said that Gina Phillips and Ray Wise were both returning. Really? Yeah, which I think is cool. Ray Wise oh, was a really absolutely. good component to Part Two.
6: Absolutely. No, I think it, I think it's terrific news. Um, but yeah, it's just that apprehension of knowing whether Victor Sol was involved or not because. At the end of the day, this is his creation, so it would seem odd yeah. for him to have done three films and then to ice him out for the fourth. So, yeah, it sounds yeah, like I they're mean, keeping the details at a minimum. But it's good to know yeah. that these actors are going to come back and potentially reprise their roles from the other movies, despite yeah. that sort of wide well, controversy. Look at,
4: at risk of being cancelled myself. <laughs> I don't care if he's back on board. Like I, I would like to see him back on board because, like you said, this is his. Uh, this is this his, his vehicle.
6: This is his vehicle. And look, you know, it's. It, a long time has passed. He's done three films, you know, if if you don't want to watch it, but you I know completely what i respect that. But
4: I'm I'm watch A long time has passed. A long time has passed, but so had mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind. A lot of a long time had passed there yeah, as well. That's
6: true, yeah. It's true. <laughs> Who
4: knows what we will wake <laughs> up to
6: tomorrow and what might be considered <laughs> wrong. So I don't yeah. think
4: there's a time limit on anything anymore. <laughs> never. Um never. Anyway, um also adding to that there's um Breck also said that the unused script for Cathedral, which was the alternative part three, has been adapted into an entire season for television. What? Yes. Wow.
5: that's crazy. I know, that came out
4: of field.
6: Yeah, who would have thought? Well,
4: I, well it, it seems
6: topical, though, because, um, you know, there's a few few movies that they've been talking about doing TV series of, and I know there's one that's just, just in the news at the moment, Glenn. Hellraiser.
4: Yes. Well, this one's interesting too, huh? Yeah.
6: It's so, been a bit of a year for Hellraiser news because earlier in the year we were hearing that HBO was going to develop a Hellraiser series and now yes. this news I mean,
4: comes out. And the news is that Clive Barker, obviously the author and originator of the the franchise, is suing for a declaratory judgment so that he can terminate his 1986 transfer and get the rights back to the entire franchise. And rightly this so. is interesting because, but yeah. the, the catch here, there's a catch in it though, because if Dimension Extreme mm. can pump out another instalment before December 19, 2021, then yeah. they retain the rights, and this has been done before. We've been here. <laughs> yeah, I think like twice, maybe three yeah. times
6: before. Uh, I think it's uh, you entirely know, possible they could. They could so easily make a movie with that time.
4: The only, the only thing in Clive Barker's favour here is COVID 19. Yeah, absolutely. But
6: then again, what qualifies as a film these days? Look at that. Uh, COVID zombies movie that came out that basically took <laughs> 60 minutes of you know hell of the living dead and then a few shots that were shot like in in containment and effectively they could probably do the same yeah. they could just co- like cobble together a bit of a compilation of the other movies and, and you yep. could have a new picture maybe it only has to have 30 new footage to be declared a new oh, mate, I'm giving but them in, any in idea t-
4: I mean, the thing here too is he only wants the rights back. I love that they they stipulate the entire franchise. He only wants the rights back to use Pinhead because I'm guessing he wants to adapt the Scarlet Gospels, which is a Pinhead story. Yeah, and he can't do it without the rights. But um, that would be a glorious film. But I just I can't see him winning this.
6: No, no, it feels like an uphill battle. But then again, look, you know, Dimension and Dimension Extreme are all subsidiaries of Miramax, and given all the trouble that. It's happened with Miramax over the years. Yes. And even the last film got released through Lionsgate sort of discreetly as if it were not yeah. part of that wider sort of Miramax controversy. Um, who knows? Maybe it is that point in the market where there is a definite weakness, unlike Friday, you you know?
4: There is a Weinstein attached regardless Absolutely. of which one
6: it is. Yeah, exactly. Bob or
4: Harvey. do not matter.
6: So, yeah, maybe mean, it could happen.
4: Surely... Surely, Dimension have gotten all they can from the franchise. It'd be in their best interest, maybe even to stay on board and say, "Clive, we give you control." Totally, totally. But we want to be behind it with you. Absolutely, absolutely.
6: What? Why wouldn't they do that? Well, that's what they've done with uh, Carpenter and Joseph Gordon Green with you know the Halloween and the Blumhouse, Halloween. and that's yeah, what they've right. done with Halloween. Just, Dimension still owns a part of that, and they're still a party too. That last Halloween film and this next Halloween film. So it was like a, you know, an agreement they made and it was for the benefit of the film. And look how good that turned out when you have like good creative people involved, not just people trying to make just a movie so they can hang on to the rights and maybe get some DOD yep. sales.
4: Yep. Well, watch this space. Uh and before we move on, uh I heard this week that Jason Reitman is already working on Ghostbusters 4.
6: No. Okay, so this has been actually taken out of context. because has it? Yes, because he's working on Afterlife at the moment. He's still in post on Afterlife. He's actually taken yeah. that extra time that he would have had, you know, the film coming out in two weeks. So he's been able to slow down the whole process, rework elements, spend a bit more time crafting the exact film he wants. Um, But yes, he was sort of taken out of context because he said he was already working on, you know the next Ghostbusters but what he really meant was he's just working on this Ghostbusters at the moment so it's it's just afterlife, but he said this is the unique opportunity he's got as a filmmaker that he's never had before and he knows of no other filmmakers having that opportunity to really yep. refine and shape that film ahead of its theatrical release so I mean mm. that's incredible that you know the film we'll see in March is going to be the absolute film he wants to deliver not something he had pushed or rushed to do so
4: that's amazing yeah. i still have a funny feeling that that um that trailer was a bit of a red herring i think I we're going to get a very different film to what the trailer lets on
6: i agree because he's he's been super tight-lipped about it like anytime yeah. they push him for a little detail he just nothing It's easy yeah i yeah. mean
4: do you get the impression that the trailer is like the first 15 minutes of the film
6: i think it's yeah it's a real early opener because you're going to have all the old cast come back, reprise their roles to an extent. And even if it's a passing of the torch, it doesn't matter. That does yeah. feel like it's just the establishing portion of the movie. Yeah. I agree.
4: Yeah.
6: I can't wait. Uh, well, that's, March, that's exciting March next anyway. year, I can't wait. Woo! <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs>
4: oh, man. Well, look, anyway, dude, thanks for swinging by again. It's great to do this live with you. We should do it more often. Absolutely. Thanks,
6: man. I and, really um, appreciate it.
4: So, we're going to um, have a listen to what's coming out on physical media this week. Um, do you want to take it away?
6: <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Let's check out what's coming out this week on Home Entertainment. I'm your host, Jarrett, and this is PE Class. First up, we've got Madman, They've got three titles coming out to Home Ent this week, and they're all DVD. No Blu-ray, no 4K. In fact, there is no 4K this week from any distributor, and there is only one Blu-ray coming out on home entertainment, but more about that later. So first up from Madman, we've got The Extraordinary, and it's a French flick with Vincent Cassel. Surprise, surprise, he's in every French film. It's a drama about two chaps that run not-for-profit organizations who are currently under heavy scrutiny from the government because they're operating their businesses without certification. Next up is Proxima, which is a multilingual feature about a woman that's balancing motherhood with her career as an astronaut. Then last from Madman we've got Brabham, which is actually a documentary about the forgotten godfather of modern Formula One racing, Jack Brabham. All of those releases, DVD only. Moving on to Roadshow. Roadshow have got two releases this week. The first release is The Assistant, which is actually written and directed by an Australian, Kitty Green, a Melbourneite actually. Now The Assistant premiered at Sundance in January and I couldn't get a ticket to see it unfortunately. It follows Jane, who's an assistant to a powerful Hollywood producer who's decided to make a stand against his uh, abhorrent behaviour and we can all guess who that producer is modelled upon. Anyway, the next release is the only release this week that's seeing a Blu-ray. It's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. It's called The Informer and no, it's not based on the incredible 1992 pop song by Snow. It's a crime thriller set within a maximum security prison. It's been shelved for a few years due to the financial woes of one of the production companies but it's now seeing a little bit of light and it's headed straight to disc locally. So that's me for this week with a very meager offering. But I'll be back next week, hopefully with some better news. Until next time, stay physical.
1: There's something strange happening over at the old Monsterfest place. Late every Friday night, strange sounds can be heard emanating from their Facebook page. Menacing lights flashing from mysterious posts. You've had a good movie Monday. Are you ready for a Friday fright night 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 night? night This week, Friday June 26th at Facebook.com slash Monster Film Fest, four friends take a trip to an isolated cabin in the woods. Unfortunately for them, something in the cabin is waiting. Nothing's wrong with me! Something's wrong with them! You just don't see it! Something is watching. I know what I saw! I'm not crazy! Something is hiding. I told you this getaway was a bad idea. It'll draw you in, hold you down, and pull you apart. A said
0: Page just got out of my dick, but that's as fast and good as possible!
1: Join us at 9pm for a very special screening of Daniel Armstrong's Tarnation. Created in hell, weaned on blood, raised on flesh. Spend a night in tarnation, if you dare.
5: What's up everybody, it's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com. Let's get straight into some of the news that we've covered in the past week. Starting off with the casting of Kristen Stewart. As Princess Diana. Yes, quite the project has developed with Chilean director Pablo Lorraine, whose films include No, Neruda, and Jackie, the latter of which saw Natalie Portman playing former First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy. Lorraine will be directing Stuart in Spencer, a drama that will cover a critical weekend in the life of Princess Diana. The screenplay comes from Oscar-nominated screenwriter Stephen Knight, whose credits include Eastern Promises, Peaky Blinders and Taboo. Now the film will not be dealing with a tragic death and will instead take place over three days in one of her final Christmas holidays in the house of Windsor in Norfolk, England. It was around that time that Diana decided that her relationship and marriage with Prince Charles was not working and she would need to leave the royal life behind. Will Smith is teaming up with filmmaker Antoine Foucault, known for Training Day and The Equalizer, for an action thriller based on the true story of a runaway slave. We'll be following enslaved African-American Peter as he escapes a horrifying plantation and attempts to outmaneuver cold-blooded hunters and their bloodhounds and survive treacherous swamps in order to make it to the north, where he ended up joining the Union Army. It's based on a true story of a once-slave named Gordon, also known as Whipped Peter, as he became known due to the history-making pictures showing the brutal scars he obtained from almost being killed during his time at a Louisiana plantation. One particular image was published in the Independent and Harper's Weekly in 1863, and that image was seen across the world and is believed to have made a big impact in the abolition movement, helping shine a bigger spotlight on the horrors of slavery in America. Now this film is said to be more in the vein of mel gibson's survival action film apocalypto than say steve mcqueen's 12 years a slave as of now the plan is to have this production going in early 2021 although both smith and fuqua have projects to wrap up first elijah wood will be sitting down with a notorious serial killer in this upcoming crime thriller no Man of God. That film will find Wood playing real-life FBI analyst Bill Hagmere and will explore the complicated relationship that formed between him and Ted Bundy during the killer's final years on death row. The film, which is to be mostly set in one interrogation room, will be based on the transcripts of conversations between Hagmere and Bundy from 1984 until his execution in 1989. Set to direct the film is Amber Seeley, whose previous works include two small budget features. The script will come from C. Robert Chargle, who has long worked with director Scott Derrickson and co-read Sinister, Sinister 2 and Doctor Strange. The search is currently underway for who it is that will play Bundy. We had three reviews published to screen realm in the last week the first of which is by glenn and it's for the five bloods the latest spike lee film that's now up on netflix glenn was lukewarm on the picture commending it for its ambitiousness but saying that it was firmly held back by its overly heavy-handed approach and occasionally clunky filmmaking in his review glenn wrote its punch is softened by an overreaching agenda and I cannot help but feel that it would be all the more powerful as a straightforward narrative without the gratuitous use of historical inserts. Regardless, there is an excellent film to be found somewhere amongst the rubble. 3 out of 5 stars. Our writer Hagen Osborne reviewed the new Disney film, Artemis Foul, which is now up on the Disney streaming service Disney Plus. Some bad news for this one, as you probably heard, the reviews are pretty bad everywhere for this film and with good reason. Hagen agreed with the negative opinions out there, giving it two out of five stars and calling it a Disney failure that thankfully dodged cinemas. So go up and check that review as well. And thirdly, John Noonan reviewed a small dark comedy film called mope which is based on a bizarre and very bleak true story. If you don't know this true story, look it up because it's fascinating stuff two guys that wanted to become porn stars and well everything went downhill pretty damn quickly and things ended up pretty tragically as well john had a few issues with the film but he said that as editorial debut goes this is a strong piece of work with an utterly bizarre story at its center in his review he wrote it seems foolhardy to say that you'll have a good time but mope will offer you a potent glimpse into a world many are unlikely to have seen before and he gave it three out of five stars inception will be back on the big screen warner brothers pictures and brochure films have announced that they will be re-releasing christopher nolan's critically acclaimed box office hit inception on july 16 two weeks before tenet christopher nolan's next film hit cinemas on july 30th that's about it for me guys jump on ScreenRum.com for the latest trailers way more news and all the good stuff be sure to also chuck us a follow on social media i'm out
4: That song is a bit of a belter. That is Fat Guy in a Swimming Pool by Al Caprice. They were a punk band from the 70s and 80s in Australia. They featured future director Kimball Rendell, who also went on to form the legendary Hoodoo Gurus and uh, subsequently left them to become a music video director, directing some very high-profile music videos indeed. Uh, Kimball, in addition to his uh, three feature films, which were Cut, Bait 3D, uh, Guardians of the Tomb, he also served as a second unit director on films like Matrix 2 and 3, iRobot, Knowing, Killer Elite, Gods of Egypt, amongst so many more. But the film that is of uh, topic tonight is cut, and it was much maligned at the time of release. I think largely misunderstood. It's a satirical slasher film. It's turning 20 years old this year. I recently spoke to Kimball about the film and the legacy it's created, so we're going to take a listen to that now. Enjoy. Hey Kimball, it's Glenn. How you going?
7: Mate, hey, uh,
4: thanks, and you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Cheers for taking the time to have a yak with me tonight. That's okay. So let's just get straight to it, um, but before I do, I want to confess the, the fact that I am a bit of an unabashed fan of the film. I love Cut.
7: Oh, that's great, thank you.
4: So if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that Cut has been released digitally in Australia. Um. Yeah, no,
7: it definitely is. I think it would have been, uh, um, when it came out, it would have been just a to say like vhs i
4: guess yeah well i know it's had dvd releases over in the states or in europe so it's a bit of an odd thing that it never had a release here
7: yeah um but no definitely the first time here that's and also now it's been remastered and you know uh, a new grade on it and so this is the whiz bang sort of thing i'd right? say so, like it's really cool i haven't seen it screened um
1: Know, in the cinema so I'm looking
7: forward to seeing it on the big screen with the, you know, the new grade because I've worked with a guy Charlie Ellis who did the grade I worked with him in, um, he, he worked in Singapore when we did Bait the Shark, the shark movie and yeah. he, uh, he was the grader up there and he, he, he's amazing so he, he, he did the new grade on on cut so really keen to see it
4: yeah right well I can't wait to get my hands on a copy too and um, I can't wait to attend the screening that's coming up which I believe you're attending too yeah, that's
7: right, yeah, exactly.
4: Could you have ever imagined that the film would be getting another theatrical release all these years later?
7: No, I, you know, it's funny, when sort of when Cut came out, um, it, it, it did all right, it sort of did okay here. I mean, it did, it sort of, it, you know, it was funny because with a lot of Aussie films coming out, you know, they'd they do all right, and Cut, Cut came out in the middle of, of, I mean, when it came out, it sort of, it, it did okay uh, in comparison, but it wasn't, you know, and it and so sort of, yeah, sort of the critics were having a bit of a crack at it and going, oh, it's just another, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of rip-off of, um, you know, the screen movies, which we never intended to be that at all, like, you know, but we, we just thought, when we were writing, we thought, you know, those movies were out, and we thought we'd just do our own, yeah, our own slasher version. Well, there's a great history here of, you know, filmmakers that have, you know, done genre films prior, and anyway, in any case... Um, so when it came out, but then um, it, got, it got into a festival in, in France, and um, so I, I was I was sort of a bit down actually when it came out. here. I thought because oh, what you know the distributors are saying there's no, there's not an audience, there's no audience for horror movies in Australia. I go
1: oh, that, that's complete rubbish. You know, I, think, yeah. I think I think I
7: think there is an audience. You just have to find it and connect with it. And um, but they they you know it was a lot easier for them to put it just put out an American a Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> with all the with all the with all the power, you know all the pre marketing done for them, um, and if they had to work and put out you know, their own stuff, they couldn't do it. So, but anyway, we got into this festival in France, and then it, it just got this amazing response. You know, I went over to the festival, and the people loved it. And then went to number it became number two in France. It, was, I mean, it, would, it did really well overseas.
4: Well, that's not too surprising, I suppose, because it does have a real sort of Jello vibe going about it. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's funny that you said that. Those sort of scream slasher films um, weren't really on your mind at the time when you made it, uh, because I know when I used to watch it, I always thought that you were kind of having a dig at those films. So where was your head at in regards to those films when you were making Cut?
7: Well, no, you, you are right. We, we didn't we didn't want to do a direct copy, but we were obviously making references and um, and we were having. A, you know, I guess tongue-in-not tongue in, not tongue in tongue, I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it sort of was part of the genre, really. You know, to be self-referential, bit to you know, to mention stuff. So, but we, we just didn't want it. We didn't see it as as a as a uh, you know, and sort of a direct rip-off of those. So we just we did see it as our own Aussie, Aussie slasher movie. And yeah. So and we're sort of comparing, and going, oh, this is just. See why they've done that, but they didn't quite get it, and we were making those references throughout. And, and I'm pleased that you know, most people that liked the film, you know, got it, and that's what they enjoyed as well. But, so our head was, where was our head at? Our heads were, um, you know, we we loved, uh, we loved the, the, the genre and the movies, and you know, horror, and and what man, I, mean, I I'd come out of being the Hoodoo Gurus and as a band, I, I look as really into popular culture, I guess, and even even musically we were doing different. You know, that that band was different to what a lot most of the other bands that were around at the time. Yeah. And and we were influenced by B grade movies and, and American t- TV shows and you know and uh, and then popular culture and sort of that that was that and also. Stuff that connected to an audience, you know, it wasn't like making a film, uh, you know, about something that you know, all right, so your life's very interesting, but it might not be interesting to an audience. But if you, however, you create a film, uh, you know, uh, um, that that will connect to an audience, that's that's even better. And that's what we did with the band as well. You I know, mean, it was sort of a, it was a you know, people came and saw us and we saw records, and also with the movie, it was you know. It, the aim was to connect to an audience as well, It wasn't and I think that's what I would say to filmmakers is, you know, look and that's what was great about making and I you know, obviously spent a whole career doing working in like genre films. There is an audience there, you know, people want to see these films. So, you know, your work will get your work will get seen, ideally.
4: It's quite amazing that uh, audiences for genre films kind of still get shunned by a lot of the the bigger studios, and yet we've got these big things like Comic Cons, and whatnot.
7: I know, and look, and there's Monster Fest as well. Like you know, there's an, there is a great audience in Australia and around the world, and those Comic Con they're huge yeah. events, and in, in a lot of the big you know companies you know finally got onto it, and they you know they take notice of it obviously, but it took a long time, and it took you took the you know the fans to do it and the fans go well no we're you know we're out here and we love these movies and so we're going to create our own events that's what happened with those events started off small and just
4: became huge yeah absolutely um monster fest like you said is a case in point there you know from its humble beginnings it's built itself right up so with the film sort of before it got made there was no audience but i believe it was the first movie to come out of the mushroom stables were there any expectations from them being the first one out of the gates and was it a hard pitch to um to deliver
7: yeah it was the first film out uh martin Fabini, who um is, was working for mushroom and is you know we are good mates uh he and i were talking about making this film and then we teamed up with dave warner um who was um he, you know he's a musician he had a dave warner from the from the suburbs just to hear this song out to just a suburban boy and a lot of other songs he was he was very um very well known as well as a musician and he's a writer as well so the three of us sort of teamed up um martin was at mushroom pictures and he's you know and i i obviously he was making films and dave was writing and and martin had the you know sort of thought this film would be you know would connect it would be an audience so so it would was a great one to start off with mushroom pictures which was you know good idea um and it was good they're into genre and also because you know again coming from a a record music company starting to make films they had a bit of a different edge to them than you know the traditional film companies who weren't who weren't making their, their films at all. Yeah, and
4: I guess coming from music, they've got a little bit more guts too.
7: Yeah, and well, and also commercially they, you know we use the music. Mushroom would be very clever about using their, own, their music for the films as well.
4: And how does somebody like Bill Bennett um, find themselves on board with a slasher movie? Uh,
7: well, Bill sort of, um, he, he'd work with the company that made it and he, he had a, a connection to uh, filming in South Australia and he he'd filmed down there and he also had a connection with the financing so he came in from that angle he helped he helps you know find help the final part of the financing which is always the most difficult and you know he came in he, he, he came in at that point it, it, it was having trouble like getting the financing a film in it, strange enough you can get a large slab of the money and it was and it was a low budget film It wasn't we're talking about a lot of money but um, Getting the early, early portions of it sometimes is easier, and the last bit's the hard part, and that's when the films fall over. You just can't get that. Out. So he came on and helped. Really, was very helpful getting the financing, final, you know, tying it all off.
4: Well, in terms of the things like financing, how did you how did you entice somebody like Molly Ringwald to come on board?
7: I know that was um, that was one of those things that you sort of. You're sitting around and you go, wouldn't that be great if Molly would do it? And also with Kylie too, wouldn't it be great if they, you know, if they did it? And I'd i work with Kylie on a short film, and she was she was going, you know, she was on it already. And we said, wouldn't it be great if Molly, you know? And so we approached them, and strangely enough, if sometimes if you do approach, you know, the, the stars at the right time, and you know, if the timing's right. Sometimes they do say, yeah, they, they like to get attracted to the whole concert Oh, It'd be great to go into Australia and, you know, and, and work with us and so on and so forth. And she, she was a fan of Mushroom. She, she was a big fan of bands that came out of here too, like Split Ends and all that. And we're, you know, so there was a lot of connections through the music world plus the film world. But, you know, uh, we were a fan of her movies, obviously. And well, Molly was the biggest star in the world at one point. Um in the cover of Time magazine and so on and so forth and, um, and, you know, if you had the opportunity to work with her, I particularly thought it should be great, for, really great for the part. It was, you know, it was, it was uh, sort of written around her in any case. Um, and then we just approached her and she said, yeah, it was one of those moments that you sort of, it wasn't expected, but she, she did it. And we, and we became great mates and we're still good friends, so, um. Uh, no, she was really great to work with
4: Very down to earth Well how was that Of all the people I've had the pleasure of interviewing Over the years I can't think of any more as sincere and forthgiving As Kimball Rendell And Cut in my books is a bona fide classic uh, If you want to win a copy of it on Blu-ray Then be listening next week For the second part of the interview For a chance to win uh, A lot more to be covered in that conversation So something to look forward to
3: now, when we sh- when we showed Killbox to uh-huh. some people in in Arizona one evening, nobody showed up. Really, nobody. A handful of people showed up, and they sat there and watched it, but nobody showed up. And we tried it again the following weekend, and nobody showed up again. This was in Phoenix, I think. And Roger said, well, this film's got everything we need, but nobody's coming in. And he says, let's go screen it again. And we went to the screening room and watched it again. And while we're in the screening room, there's a guy changing light bulbs uh, in in the screening room, in the dark. And he's there while we're screening the movie. And then the lights come up. And Roger says, "Well, I don't know what we what we can we can do to this to make it different, and uh, can we call it something else?" And then the guy that was changing light bulbs turns around and he says, "Why don't you just call it Chopping mall?" <laughs> and when and then Roger looked at me and he said, "We're half off is just the beginning." And then I said, where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. <laughs> and he said, he said, go make that poster. So we made the poster. It took me by another two weeks to get some artwork done and, and get new posters. And we cut a new trailer. And we, we premiered it in Arizona again. I forgot where, but, you know, Tempe or someplace like that. You know, and it packed. we packed the house. You know, and everybody enjoyed it and clapped and had a great time. Right. And it proved to me that titles mean a lot yep. and conceptualizing your movie means a lot. Right. If you don't have a good concept that the audience perceives, then you got a dead, dead movie.
4: And once again, they were the lads from Bonehead Weekly interviewing cult director Jim Wynorski. Hands down, one of the prickliest people I've ever interviewed. That guy, what a prick. (laughs) And if you listen to their full interview, they had a little bit of trouble from him, a little bit of resistance, but they ended up wrangling him in in the end and got a really good conversation out of him. Maybe I just rubbed him the wrong way. I don't know. So check out the Bonehead Weekly podcast. It's 90 minutes of fascinating conversation.
2: Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with a review of The Crow. This is my Good Movie Monday recommendation and I can't recommend this movie any higher. Um, my big you know, thing with this movie is that it's just so goddamn singular. This is a movie like Blade Runner and Alien. It's incredibly expansive. It lives in your mind. Once you've seen this movie, you cannot unsee it, and you know, and it lives with you. Uh, and I think the reason for that is, you know, there well, there's lots of reasons about it with this movie, and we could go down any one of those roads, but mainly Alex Proyas's style here. This is a movie that could be Easily ridiculous. It's a movie that could be silly a movie that could be camp because it's really really heightened and he does this Knife's Edge thing but and throws everything at you as an audience. He wants you to buy into this world But his style is so impeccable you do you buy it and that's why so this movie is a gothic revenge romance And it you know it sticks a landing it actually it pulls it off, you know, and that is a testament to press I mean he has helped enormously here by Brandon Lee's absolutely star-making performance. And, you know, obviously the tragedy of him dying on this production imbues this film with, you know, like a genuine sense of loss. But he's just surrounded by these amazing character actors, these amazing atmospherics, this kick-ass soundtrack that I almost burnt out of my car CD player years ago. Um, And it just, you know, I mean, this movie really is pushing boundaries. It genuinely, even, you know, like, I mean, almost 25 years later, is genuinely edgy and especially in the crowded area of comic book adaptations that we've got now like i mean this movie is full of you know like language and darkness and violence and it's pushing basically everything that a studio film would cut out you know there's like references to incest and this and that there's dark little like nooks and crannies all over this film that make it indelible and make it long lasting and those are the things that they iron out with modern movies so you know, I mean, I wish that we would get more films like this that are playing for keeps, movies that scar, movies that are this dark. So, yeah, look, I mean, if you haven't seen it, check it out immediately. It is on stand at the moment. Um, look, on, it has aged, definitely in certain ways, but I dig it. I think that it's kind of lo-fi stylings have actually helped it to endure and it looks cool. I, I really, really love that aesthetic. So, yeah, The Crow, check it out. Um, don't watch any of the sequels. Glenn will fight me on this. He probably loves all the sequels, but you know the original is still the best. The Crow, one of the best comic book films ever made. On stand now, five stars from me.
4: Wow, The Crow. I'll tell you what, what a bonafide classic that is. And actually, interesting that, that Adam would choose that film because Kimball Rendell, who we just interviewed, actually went on to become the second unit director for Alex Proyas, who made The Crow, so... Kudos to Adam for tying in this week's review, uh, loosely I guess, with with our feature interview. Well done, son. Um, but let's dive straight into our weekly recommendations. It's that part of the show that I enjoy the most, I think. Uh, actually, before we do, to all of you that are listening, if you take heed in our recommendations, then we sort of we want to know about it. So hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on YouTube. Tell us what you're watching, if it's one we've recommended, and we can engage a whole other conversation there. Uh, so, anyway, Fergus, this would be your first ever recommendation on a microphone. What do you got for us?
0: That's going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice 70-minute film called The Party. Are we talking Peter Sellers? No. No, Ooh. recent. Recent. Um, it was another one that I just picked up saw it intrigued me and it's a ride it is a roller coaster ride it is set in one place and it has just a multitude of different characters that clash with each other it's a clash of personalities and it is just so much fun to watch
4: yeah right and the
0: pacing is fast
4: yeah Was so it want to be at 70 yeah, something minutes
0: but it makes it go really fast but I, yeah, I just sat there and I just enjoyed every second of it.
4: Oh, brilliant. So roughly what's it about?
0: Basically, yep. it is about a party. Okay. Just a nice party. They're all drinking wine. <laughs> just, just a nice
4: party. And
0: that is the premise. There's a lot of, I guess, internal things going on. So, so are, there, are
4: there like things. character tensions and things like that happening?
0: Yeah. Weirdly enough, it starts between just couples. Yep. And then it starts escalating and then cool. eventually everyone gets involved yep. and all these little secrets pop out and you slowly get through oh, fed this and it's so juicy. It sounds a
4: lot like Don's Party, which is an Australian film from the, the 70s um, about a backyard barbecue where everyone comes over to have a great time, but it's also happening during a political election and then political you know, opinions come out yeah. and the tensions rise. and yeah. yeah, I like those kind of films. They're good. If, they're, if yeah. they're done right and written well, they're really, really effective.
0: Yeah, I honestly believe this one is.
4: And I think I know the film you mean. I think I've seen the DVD on the shelves, yeah. and, you know, in the stores and stuff. So, cool. I'm going to have to look into that one. Definitely. So, what I've got this week, um, this one harks back to the beginning of Fake Champ. So, years ago, we used to host screenings. One of the first, actually the first one we ever hosted was a film called Some Guy Who Kills People. This is a comedy slasher. It's directed by a guy called Jack Perez. He's a bit of a sequel king. He made Wild Things 2. He made also (laughs) schlockers like uh, Mega Shark, Giant Octopus, Mm. uh, Blast Vegas. Uh, So he's a real B-movie kind of guy, but this is easily his best films. And it was actually written by a friend of Fake Shemp, uh, Ryan Levin, who's a really cool uh, Hollywood screenwriter. Anyway... I digress. The The film is smart. It's a quirky horror film. It's about a guy played by Kevin Corrigan who's released from a mental institution and becomes an ice cream truck driver. Now, shit gets really serious when <laughs> he was sent to the mental asylum because a bunch of men tormented him and um, tortured him pretty much wow. and sent him crazy and went to the loony bin for a while. But he gets released. He becomes an ice cream truck driver. But then those guys that put him in there start getting killed one by one, getting mm-hmm. pecked off. And then it becomes a bit of a film noir detective story. So you've got the slash component, which they're, they're grizzly murders. Then you've got the detective trying to find out who's the culprit. Naturally, he's the prime suspect. And there's every reason to believe he is. And then they throw in red herrings and you have no idea what's going on and who's responsible. And it's a very, very clever, twist and turny kind of slasher film. So if you saw a film this year called Butt Boy, which I reviewed on the show a little while ago, it's got a very similar atmosphere to that. That was a really weird film, but... Highly worth it. And Hollywood titan John Landis, who we talked about last week on the podcast, served as executive producer on this one. Really? Albeit in a very tentative kind of credit, Mm. but yes, his name is on the poster.
0: Oh, wow.
4: Yeah. So look, if you're in Australia, it's available for free on Tubi, streaming service. Oh, good to know. And if you're in the States, it's on Amazon Prime and Tubi. So definitely one that you should look into. Some guy who kills people, get on it, people. Such a good title. So anyway, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we have a copy of Cut to give away on Blu-ray from Umbrella Entertainment and this contest will cross over to next week's show as well. So find the post to this show on our Facebook page and YouTube page and share your thoughts on Cut. We want to know what you think of it. It's that easy and we're going to choose a winner at random to score this little beauty on Blu-ray. So uh, that'll be given away on next week's show. One more thing to report on before we wrap up. When COVID-19 hit... It was right in the middle of the French film festival here in Melbourne. Actually, I think it was it was happening all across Australia at the time. Um, and anyway, they had to postpone. We had just run a few reviews. I'd seen a few films from the program, and it was a really, really solid festival. but now we're really happy to announce that they're back up and running starting on July 14, which coincidentally is Bastille Day. They're going to be running through to August 5th, so they're back up and running, and it's very exciting. And so all you have to do to check out their full program is go to affrenchfilmfest.org. That's affrenchfilmfest.org, and check out the return program.
3: You don't frighten us, English pig dogs. Go and boil your bottom, sons of a
2: silly person.
4: So Fergus, my friend, it's the end of the show. You made it, mate. Excellent, excellent. (laughs) It's a good feeling. A great feeling, honestly, yeah. Mate, you did all right. Thank you very much. You did all right. It's been bloody awesome to have you here. You're a bloody legend. Thank you for stepping into that seat at the last minute. It's not an easy thing to do, so really, really happy, and I hope you got a kick out of it oh absolutely thank you for giving me the opportunity no worries mate and hopefully we can get you back on again sometime soon I'd love that and of course thanks to Jarrett Guillermo and Screen Realm Adam and Adam's Just Seen cheers to Ben Helwig and the lads from Bonehead Weekly thanks to Kimball Rendell for taking the time to chat come back next week for the second part of that conversation and for now thank you all for listening here's another song from XL Capri it's called Death Car have a great week everyone good movie Monday
7: It began as a class project.
4: We
0: have to do a graduation film, right? What better project than to finish that film?
7: To resurrect an old film from oblivion. That movie was a nightmare.
0: So what you're
2: saying is there's some sort of a curse on this film?
1: Now, they've made an unexpected discovery. Of a mysterious legend.
2: Creepier than Friday the 13th. More <laughs> blood and guts than Texas Chainsaw. More <laughs> sex <laughs> than
3: Deepthroat. Before
7: you it. That should never.
2: Who wants to make a mainstream slashing movie?
7: See the light of
3: day. <laughs> Don't go playing with nightmares. And action. <laughs>
4: I've never said this before, but I've always found you very attractive.